Welcome back to the Short Shift Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I'm Ben Burnett. Joining me as always, my buddy and yours, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, are you ready to take the L on the eternal Ilya Samsonov versus John Gibson debate? Yeah, uh, and we've got so much to talk about, we can hardly dwell on that for so long. <laughs> At least uh, Samsonov is getting a start today and is holding down the fort against Colorado, so that is something to be said there. Uh, I thought for sure uh, Vanacek might get that third start in a row today, and that would really be the death now. But yeah, I think I'm about ready to admit my defeat if uh, we're going to see Gibson continue to play well and get a majority of the starts. Volume is king with our goalies. That's for sure. And I mean, in fairness, we got Samsonov in the Nets tonight. So we will see how that turns out currently leading the Colorado Avalanche. I think it was 4-2 last time I looked. But we got to get right into it. You are absolutely correct about that. And we have to start with the heartbreak of the season. I hope that this is my lowest of the low. Nikita Kucherov out with a hip injury, could be in line for surgery, rumored to be out between 6 and 10 weeks Lewis, I am absolutely shattered by this. While he's out, it looks like Corey Perry will get the first shot on line one with Braden Point and Andre Palat. Perry's been a 25 to 35 point guy for the past three seasons, and the Bolts have a bad schedule coming up. So I'm feeling pretty meh about Corey Perry. I think that the biggest benefactor here, as uh, most people have already figured out, is going to be Andre Palat. He looks to jump right up on the top power play with Kucherov out. I was really low on Palat in drafts because he put up a 69-point pace last year on power play one with Kucherov out of the lineup, and he was being drafted as if he was likely to repeat those numbers, even though Kucherov's return bumped him off that top unit. Now, if you drafted Palat, you're about to reap those benefits. So unfortunately, he's rostered in 94% of Yahoo leagues already, so you're likely not going to get any waiver wire value here. Yeah, I just, all I can really say is how sad I am about Nikita Kucherov going down. Yeah, it's very tough. I mean, it's a next verse, same as the first kind of setup from last year. Any any lessons you learned from last year, you can more or less apply them here, except obviously uh, with that third line gone, it really, you know, is going to maybe expose some potential depth issues for Tampa Bay here this season. So last year, they were able to get by just fine. Uh, this season, I don't know if it's going to be quite so easy for them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how things play out over the course of the next few weeks. But I think you're right. You know, not any interest in Corey Perry, uh, Palat, if he's around, which he's not again in, in almost all of these Yahoo leagues, but you know, certainly something to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. This is just one of those situations where it's very unfortunate, but at least we can sort of apply what we already learned from the last time this happened. The one thing I will say with Corey Perry, I could definitely see him being cycled out of that spot quickly. And I think we'll either see Stamkos or Sorelli there, right? Like, I, it just doesn't feel like like they wouldn't go to something that works better right now. They're being shut out by Florida in the second period. So uh, we'll see, I guess, what comes next from that situation. Yeah, it, honestly, it's a little bit of a bummer because that second line was so much fun with Stamkos and Sorelli together. So to have, you know, uh, have them, I, I assume they're trying to keep them together, which is why you have Perry up on the top line. But yeah, I don't know how long that experiment is going to really last. All right, Lewis, what did you want to talk about next? The other big news uh, that came out was we got some clarity on the Evander Kane situation. 
Uh, so it's come out that he's going to be suspended for 21 games, which means he would be eligible for a turn in early December. Uh, because he moves to that suspended category, he is not IR plus eligible on Yahoo. So if you want to hold this guy, uh, you have to put him on your roster and just have him burning that hole in your spot until he makes his potential return, which again, it would be early December in the earliest. So a lot of people have been asking, what do we do with Kane? Do we hold on to this guy? Do we just jettison him? Obviously he has the potential for a ton of value, especially in categories leagues or points leagues uh, that count things like hits or maybe pims. I'll tell you what, I am out on Kane and here is why. Uh, we heard over the offseason there were some rumblings from the team that the distractions perhaps weren't worth the hassle of having the player on board. Uh, and John Liu from TSN spoke with Coach Bugner and Logan Couture and uh, Mark Eduard Vlasic about the Kane situation. They kind of expressed their general disappointment. And Bugner said that the team had put it outside our radar. That is a quote. Uh, and Couture added that the team, quote, had individual meetings and discussions with players to focus on moving forward without Kane. That, to me, sounds like a team with modest goals that wants to get on with their season and have it focused on the product on the ice, not the issues off of it. Uh, maybe this means they're going to go try and find a buyer for Kane during this quarter season suspension. Uh, who really knows? Obviously, you know, this news just came out, so we don't know what kind of that next move is. But it's hard to imagine that he's not going to have a bit of a trek back into the good graces of the Sharks or whichever team he may end up with. And there's no guarantee that he's going to have uh, the same access and deployment uh, that he would have had as a Shark or that he might have if he returns with the Sharks. Uh, the John Liu article also mentioned that Bugner said he didn't know if Kane would have access to the Sharks facilities, uh, so he may not be in peak condition upon his return either, although, of course, I'm sure he has plenty of other ways that he can get his necessary exercise. All of this is to say that is an awful lot of risk to take on when the only certainty is that he will be providing a dead slot on your roster until December at the earliest, and then beyond that, there are an awful lot of question marks. Uh, so for those reasons, I think I would be letting Kane go or else trying to find someone with a sunnier outlook on his future uh, to possibly take him off my hands for cheap. So you're just straight up dropping, cutting ties, eh? I think so. I think it is going to be, you know, it, maybe it'll be the kind of thing where you can play a game of chicken with your league mates in a few weeks and, you know, pick them back up if things are going really well for you and you're confident that you're going to make the playoffs. But I think the short-term move is just to lose him. I don't think there's going to be a ton of interest from other teams. Let someone else carry that baggage. They'd have him for four weeks on their roster, get sick of it and drop him. And suddenly, you know, you can grab him up again at a reduced, uh, you know, marginal cost to your team. Yeah, I'm really not that excited. I just don't see how you bring back a guy who tried to fake being vaccinated. Like, it's just a health and safety issue. Once it gets down to that point, it's very, it'd be very surprising to me if the team itself didn't either ask him to stay away or keep keep him in the press box or out of the facility just because it's a bit like showing contempt for your, your coworkers and your teammates' health and safety. Yeah, you know, I, it's, it's obviously we can, we can delve into the murky waters here quite a bit, but I, I agree with you that, you know, this is a team sport and, uh, certainly taking the number of steps it would require to, uh, falsify this type of information. And they were clear to say that he falsified his vaccination status, not necessarily any documents. Um, but even still, you know, I think that is, like you said, it's, it's playing fast and loose with your teammates' health and safety. And, and that's no good in the age of COVID. 
I do want to talk about the Sharks a little bit more because they have an excellent streaming schedule this week. Hopefully you listened to the stream scheme and grabbed Jonathan Dolan, uh, who Cousin Dave recommended along with William Eklund. Dolan scored twice in the first period against the Habs already tonight. Uh, but honestly, Thursday, Friday, Sunday schedule, two off nights to finish off the week. You can either grab Jonathan Dolan, who's playing top line, top power play, William Eklund, who's also in the top six and getting power play time. If you are in a deeper league, or if you're in a more shallow league, I'd probably just grab Timo Meyer, who was mentioned on the stream scheme as well, or Logan Couture, both of whom are available in 65 to 70% of leagues. Uh, Lewis, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to get the latest information on Tuesday night's games and talk about a massive performer on Monday night. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, I am going to run through a few news items from tonight's game so far. It's been a wild night. I already mentioned Jonathan Dolan on line one, power play one in San Jose. So I'm going to hop right to New Jersey where Jack Hughes, a player that many people picked as a huge breakout star this season, left the game tonight after taking a big hit from Jeremy Lozon. Looked like it could be a shoulder injury, which would be a huge bummer for Jersey, especially its power play. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood also hasn't been able to suit up yet this season. He's dealing with lingering complications following offseason heel surgery. Jonathan Bernier has looked fine in the season opening win over Chicago and currently has saved 19 of 20 shots through most of two periods against the Kraken. Lewis, I, I don't know that there's much actionable advice to take with the Jack Hughes injury. Obviously, keep an eye on it if you have Hughes. But would you stream Jonathan Bernier in if you were looking for goalie starts? So that's definitely an interesting one. Uh, you know, I do kind of like this new New Jersey setup. Uh, certainly, you know, went out and, and did quite a lot there in the off season. Uh, and as someone who has streamed in Tomas Grace, I think that, uh, I can't say that I am someone who has been particularly picky with, uh, who I'm streaming in in my goalies, uh, as long as, you know, they personally have been performing. So yeah, I think that Bernier is definitely an interesting option. Um, you know, if you like the matchup that you can get, I think maybe don't put them out there maybe against the, the Washingtons of the world, but there's lots of teams out there that are, you know, running a little colder than sort of that we expected. So yeah, I think Bernier is an interesting potential stream there, uh, especially if you can get a team like the Kraken that does seem, uh, you know, uh, underperforming a little bit. The Habs as well, uh, you mentioned before, uh, San Jose being, being up on them considerably. Uh, they have looked quite disorganized as well. So there's some good kind of matchups that you can work certainly and uh, as we know uh, Bernier is going to be taking on goal uh, presumably for any games that are in Canada as well I think there are nine of them total that New Jersey takes on unless uh, Blackwood changes his vaccination status so just a few more things to keep an eye on in New Jersey I do believe Blackwood said he will become vaccinated uh, in time I don't know who cares uh, but yeah I think I'm I'm into Jonathan Bernier it seems like he'll probably get three starts this week so I'm I have him in the cupful to keeping Carlson ultimate patron fantasy league and I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that uh, Lewis let's over hop over to Florida who Brian and Elon mentioned on last week's episode of keeping Carlson where Anthony Duclair has bumped Sam Reinhardt down the lineup and Patrick Hornquist took Reinhardt's job on power play one but wouldn't you know it, Sam Reinhardt put up an assist from the bottom six already tonight just to make things complicated for all of us who need to make a decision on whether we want to hold on to him. I don't think I'd feel safe dropping Sam Reinhardt if I drafted him, considering his history and his opportunity. I'd wait a few more times, a few more games rather, before cutting bait. 
What do you think about Sam Reinhardt? Are you ready to cut bait on him already? No, I think that the majority of people who picked up Sam Reinhardt, unless you're in a bit of a clown league, you know, had pretty high expectations for him. So I imagine that you invested some significant draft capital in him, and I think it is too early uh, to make any panic decisions here. Reinhardt's a skilled player. We've seen him put up, you know, he went on a hot run on a Buffalo team with nothing going on at the end of the year last year. So, you know, this is, we know that Florida is a deep team. We know they have a lot of options. Quenville was out there talking today, you know, saying, Hey, you know, we can, we can flip Reinhardt and Duclair and do just fine. You know, I imagine they will spend time, you know, in the middle six and in the top six. So I think, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where you definitely wait and see and hope that you can sort of reap the benefits. It may be the sort of situation where because some of this time is getting spread out, everyone's ceiling gets a little lower. Uh, but there's so much opportunity for a really great deployment in Florida. I think you just hang on and wait to see how things settle down. You know, one thing that's been interesting about Duclair is even when he has gotten that top line deployment, he very rarely has seen time on the power play. And that's really limited him to kind of the low teens in terms of minutes, even at his best. So it's pretty, you know, obviously it's exciting deployment uh, when he's up on that top line and there's a ton of skill. But I do think that he he is kind of capped in terms of what he's able to do. We've seen lots of people play on the power play, but the two who have been consistently uh, neglected from that power play time have been Duclair and Mackenzie Wegar. Uh, Wegar can provide a lot of peripheral help for you, um, but Duclair has to keep scoring if he's going to maintain his value for you. What did you want to talk about next, Lewis? Uh, so you mentioned, uh, or previously you talked about uh, Dave Benton, making a nice call. Another nice call that he made was for Jordan Cairo, uh, who just put out an absolutely outstanding performance on Monday. Anybody who listened to Stream Scheme, and all of you should, uh, and picked him up, enjoyed a two-goal, two-assist performance. Now, with the small caveat that it was up against one of the worst goalies, if not the worst goalie in hockey this season, but points are points. Uh, so, yeah, a really nice turnout for Jordan Cairo, an outstanding start to the season. Um Someone else who took notice of Jordan Cairo was Corey Schneider uh, on Twitter. Uh, he really liked what he saw from Cairo's passing game. He credited him with four shot assists and five secondary shot assists. So that suggests that he's playing a key role in the offense when he's on the ice, uh, which is backed up by his 100% 5v5 points participation thus far. So he's gotten in on every goal that's been scored at 5v5 while he's been on the ice. That's obviously great to see. Probably not sustainable. I'm going to be the Brian here for a moment and pour a little bit of cold water on Jordan Cairo's torrid pace. He's only played 13 minutes a night uh, for these first couple games. And you really prefer that he be more in like the 15-16 range for a reliable second-line scorer. He's not going to maintain his 40% shooting percentage, his 29% on ice shooting percentage, or that 100% points participation. So he's buoyed somewhat right now by some great work in a small sample size, again, including four points uh, against a pretty hapless goalie in Carter Hutton. He's definitely worth rostering while he's hot. Uh, and with luck, maybe he can secure himself some more minutes. Uh, he is not going to get you the 240 points he's on pace for. He's not going to get you 75 points, I don't think. Let's not forget that last season he had 14 points in his first 15 games uh, and then slowed down considerably with just 11 over the next 26 uh, before he had a nice little bounce back towards the end of the season with 10 points in the last 14 games of the season. I think he can definitely be a 60-point guy this season with room for more uh, if injuries open up some additional ice time or if he can crawl his way onto that top power play. 
Uh, but maybe this is someone who is worth flipping for a player like Maddie Kachuk or Kevin Fiala, who haven't had that same early season outburst, but have higher ceilings and much better deployment. Uh, so just a, you know, someone to some, a couple names to sort of consider as possible trade targets. Obviously, if he can keep up the pace, the longer he can do so, the more appealing he might become. Uh, and, you know, you may be able to go after a, a bigger name. Yeah, I'd agree. I would definitely swap him out if you can uh, find somebody who would have gone in like the top 100 of the draft or something. Matthew Kachuk, probably you're going to get laughed at uh, for going that that seems like you'd be very lucky to get maybe kevin fiala who was uh i think faded a little bit by yahoo as brian and elon mentioned in their uh, yahoo ranking list is a that seems like a more realistic target to me um let's hop over to seattle where an unexpected outjury yanni gord back in the lineup for seattle only three months after undergoing off-season shoulder surgery Gord was initially not expected back until December. He jumps right on the top line with Jordan Eberle and Jaden Schwartz, and that trio is joined by Jared McCann and Mark Giordano on the top power play unit. Lewis, I'm curious how you're feeling about Yanni Gord, but I'm also wondering whether you're worried about Jared McCann, your cupful boo being pushed down the lineup. He started hot on line one power play one with two goals and three points in his first two games, but has just six shots through his first four and a half games. So I'm wondering, Gordon McCann, how are you feeling about the two of those? So it's interesting. I'm glad you brought him up. And, you know, I think McCann is someone that I talked about in the preseason as someone who with some expanded minutes might be able to, you know, be a bigger producer, kind of like a light version of a Jakub Verana, potentially. And if he ends up getting second line minutes, I think he does lose some of that shine. Uh, Jordan Eberle has definitely been an, uh, a good, you know, top line teammate for him. Uh, and, you know, Yunus Donskoy is nobody to scoff at. So I don't mind that second line deployment. I really do think, you know, the Kraken are very much in the process of figuring out who they are and how they are going to approach these games. So I imagine we're going to continue to see a fair amount of shuffling around on those lines. I do think Yanni Gord might ultimately be better set up to be a uh, second line center for them. But, you know, I'm not the coach of the team. I'm not going to be able to make those types of decisions. And I think I might be a little bit of biased just because of the shares of McCann that I hold. But I do still kind of like him on that second line. I think he can do okay as long as he's getting top power play deployment. Uh, so I'm going to hold on for the time being. Um, Gord, I'm interested in, you know, in a, in a minor way. I was, we had a question on Twitter about whether we would drop either of Kirby Doc or Trevor Zegras, uh, to put Gord in the lineup. And I urge caution. I don't think it is time to drop either of those guys. I know that Zegras has been a little bit underwhelming with his early deployment, but, you know, we got to remember he's still a rookie and he is going to have, you know, great opportunity there. Um, so that would be certainly closer. I would not be interested in dropping Dak now that Tyler Johnson uh, hopefully has been banished permanently from top line, even strength deployment. So I would definitely hold on to Dak over Gord. Uh, would you agree about those two? Interesting. I think that I would prefer Gord to both of them. I think if I was going to, if that was my roster construction, I wouldn't want to be waiting on both Doc and Zegris. In Doc's case, I'm just worried that the lines are going to shuffle at any point, as the as the Blackhawks have shown they're very willing to do. I don't really see a reason to trust that Kirby Doc is going to stick on top line, top power play. So I, I'm a, I'm still a little bearish on on Kirby Doc. 
I would consider uh, holding on to Trevor Zegras over him just because I think that if things break right, Trevor Zegras in like 10 to 15 games could be the Mighty Ducks. Like he just could be carrying the entire team. So he has a bit more of home run appeal to me. But I mean, I could be wrong on Kirby Duck too. I could see that going any way of the three. I could see all three of them finishing some in first of those three. I think that Yanni Gord is the safest, though, and probably has the most realistic upside of the three. Okay, yeah, really interesting. Let's jump over to one last team here for the evening uh, and talk a little bit about the walking wounded over in Pittsburgh. Uh, So we got news that Brian Rust is going to be out week to week with a lower body injury. He had a decent start to the season, uh, even though they were missing Crosby and Gensel, his usual line mates. He managed seven shots and a goal through the first two games. In the meantime, we have Danton Heinen on line one, and Evan Rodriguez has made some appearances taking on those power play one duties. You know, Heinen has been really interesting. Obviously, he has scored in each game he has played through Monday. Uh, the, the game, obviously, uh, as we are recording, is pending uh, on eight shots. It has been a bit concerning to see how wildly his time on ice has fluctuated. Uh, he was as high as 18 minutes and 31 seconds on opening night and then just under 12 minutes uh, the second game versus Florida. He is showing that he can produce in that spot. Uh, and that's a spot that will be even more plumb once Crosby returns that Time is to be determined, although at least he was close enough that Coach Sullivan saw fit to say that he wasn't coming back for Tuesday's game, which suggests maybe it wasn't a totally foregone conclusion that it has been for previous games up to this point. Uh, if not for the Penguins' crummy schedule this week, I would definitely say go out and grab Heinen. His only remaining game this week, though, is Saturday, which is a very busy slate. Uh, and next week is a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule as well. So you may struggle to line him up. So before you go rushing out to grab this top line penguin, make sure that he's going to fit into your schedule. But if you can fit him in for a couple games, I think he could be a nice short-term grab, especially if you can grab him when uh, Crosby makes his return and obviously makes that top line deployment a little more appealing. I don't know. I'm not, I feel like as somebody who had Danton Heinen for the two goals that he scored in the first two games of the season. I love you, boo. Danton Heinen shouts out you and me forever. Uh, You know, it's like you're betting on a very, very unlikely outcome, I find. I I just don't see it with Danton Heinen. I would, unless you're in like an extremely deep league where you can't get somebody who's going to be on a top power play unit, which I think is like, you know, a very deep 14 or 16 team league. I'm probably sticking away from Danton Hinden myself. I'm sorry, Lewis. I had to say it. That's okay. So this is not our usual divide because typically I am the power play one person and you are the top line deployment person. So would you take Evan Rodriguez over Danton Hinden for as long as Rodriguez will hold that power play one spot? No, because I don't think either situation is appealing. Okay. So you want you want somebody who's the whole package. I would rather have Danton Heinen than Rodriguez for sure because he's been hotter than Rodriguez, so it's like, you know, maybe the the hot stick continues, but overall I think it's a flash in the pan that I would not continue to bet on and I didn't. I dropped Danton Heinen when he was ranked in the top 25, I think. I think he was ranked 23rd in the Cupful the day that I dropped him and I haven't looked back. So it's all about that Gord appeal. He brings it all to the table for you. Yeah, give me Yanni Gord over Danton Heinen any day of the week. I think I'm with you on that one. (laughs) Okay, good. 
That brings us to the close of our show. Thank you so much for joining us, Ben. What a pleasure to be back in the recording booth with you the way things are supposed to be. Uh, Of course, we enjoyed our time uh, working with Elon as well. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at ShortShiftsKK, as well as Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson, Dave Betna of the Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. And please visit the great sites we use to research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trick, and Cacupful.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach, and until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.